Hello and welcome to Free America. I'm your host, Nick Yaya, and this is the Free America podcast. Today is December 20th, 2020. And this is episode number 22. That's a lot of twos. So looking at it as a good luck number, good luck charm for today's episode. And we're going to need it because today's episode has a lot of important information that I want to make sure that I get right when I talk to you about this. It's very important and it involves, well, possibly life-saving information that could help you and your friends and family and your loved ones. So today we're going to be talking about COVID-19 and everything related to it, all the new newest scientific studies regarding the vaccines and the dangers of the vaccines. We're going to be looking at asymptomatic carriers and the lack of transmission that they present, as well as the inefficacy of masks and the dangers of masks that you may not be aware of. In addition, we're talking about therapeutics, which are solutions instead of just problems that we're facing. So we want to give you the tools that you need to be able to effectively fight against this virus and keep yourself and your friends and your family safe. So before we do, of course, we always like to get a little little business out of the way. And uh, that would involve the Free America Podcast website. We'd like you to take the opportunity to visit our website and take a look around, see what we have to offer. Of course, we've got this episode as well as the podcast available on other podcast apps, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Spotify, among others. We've got previous episodes that you can view uh, through these links to YouTube. And we also have ways for you to support Free America. It is your support that that sponsors this podcast. We don't currently have any sponsors. We're not quite big enough, although we are being downloaded in several countries around the world. And we have a lot of views on, on YouTube and other channels. But for right now, we depend upon you, our viewers and listeners, for your support. So here at the freeamericapodcast.com website, you can, you'll find this little button here. It says Support Free America. That'll take you to PayPal. That's one way to support us. You can also support us by going in and supporting our affiliates through affiliate marketing. We uh, offer programs and services regarding personal finance, self-defense, as well as health and fitness, because we want to make sure that you're good and ready to take on any challenge that you might face in the coming days, months, and years ahead. And we feel as if these items will help you to do that, whether it's staying healthy or learning how to defend yourself or keeping your finances in order. We feel that those are important items and hopefully you'll find some benefit from those as well. And when you do, they give us a commission. So you help to finance the Free America podcast. You'll also find other news articles that we've done as well as I forgot to mention a different way to contribute. So up here at the very top of the website, you can click on this button. It says contribute. It'll take you to a page to become a Patreon supporter. That's patreon.com slash free America podcast, or you can do it right here through our website. So I'd like to thank you for that. And you can also like and follow us at free America uh, at, at Twitter. Hold on a second. Let me just keep that out of the way. So you can you can follow us at several social media outlets, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 
believe Facebook and Instagram are Free America Podcast, and Twitter is just at Free America. So find us there, where you'll also find links to our shows and other news articles and things that we find interesting that we'd like to share with you. Okay, so moving on to one other item of business. Recently, we've been We've been banned by YouTube. Two of our episodes have been pulled from YouTube, the YouTube platform. Now, that's not been on our channel here at the Free America Podcast, but on my personal channel, Nick Yaya. And this is due to the information that we're bringing you. So we've already got one warning and one strike now. Two more strikes and we are out permanently. Well, I am out permanently. My channel will be out permanently. So what I've done is I've created backups. So you can now visit... Uh, Rumble, which is another another streaming website where you can find it. Excuse me, BitChute is the one we're showing you here, and and I will include a link to this in the information section of this podcast, and also in the show notes section if you're listening to us, where you can go and find us on BitChute, and then as well as I mentioned, Rumble. So that's Rumble.com. And I will send you a link for that as well. And you will also, I will soon upload links to that on our website so that you can get to it that way. So that way you will always have this information available to you if YouTube decides that we are too dangerous to have on the air. (laughs) I, I really can't believe it. So I guarantee you today, if I would have put this up on the Nick Yaya channel of YouTube that this episode also would have been flagged and pulled and we would have been given a strike. But unfortunately, we still cannot post at the Nick's, Nick Yaya YouTube channel, so it won't be up there. Or maybe that's fortunate for us. But moving on, I'd like to begin our show with a short video by a man named Cardinal Burke. And he's um, he's a He's a, let's see, I want to share, I want to share the, make sure I want to share the right screen here. I have to go to Chrome tabs and, and then I will pull up Cardinal Burke's video. Got to make sure I share the audio, but this is important because he talks about the new world order and the, the rollout of, uh, at, of the, pardon me, I'm having a little technical difficulty here, folks. He's talking about the use of the Great Reset and using COVID to roll out the Great Reset and how this is a, essentially it's a Marxist maneuver to decimate Western democracy. And I am sharing you the wrong screen right now. So let me go ahead and back that up. And let's try that again. So Chrome tab, Cardinal Burke. Share the audio. Here we go. Okay, so here's Cardinal Burke. Troubled and heavy hearts. Our nation is going through a crisis which threatens its very future as free and democratic. The worldwide spread of Marxist materialism, which has already brought destruction and death to the lives of so many, 
and which has threatened the foundations of our nation for decades and now seems to seize the governing power over our nation to attain economic gains we as a nation have permitted ourselves to become dependent upon the Chinese Communist Party, an ideology totally opposed to the Christian foundations upon which families and our nation remain safe and prosper. I speak of the United States of America, but evidently many other nations are in the throes of a similar, most alarming crisis. Then there is the mysterious Wuhan virus about whose nature and prevention the mass media daily give us conflicting information. What is clear, however, is that it has been used by certain forces inimical to families and to the freedom of nations to advance their evil agenda. These forces tell us that we are now the subjects of the so-called Great Reset, the new normal, which is dictated to us by their manipulation of citizens and nations through ignorance and fear. Now we are supposed to find in a disease and its prevention, the way to understand and direct our lives rather than in God. That's some pretty powerful stuff from Cardinal Burke. And it's, it's important to understand that this isn't just something that you're hearing from me or that you're hearing from other alternative news websites, but that you're hearing from people, the good people within our government and within other institutions, such as the Christian and Catholic Church. These, um, what's the word I'm looking for? These are, these are important things to note, okay? And it's important to note that a lot of information that we've been given comes from people who do not care about us, people who seemingly care about us, who work in our government and who work in other institutions like the mainstream media. But the information they give us is poor information. It's designed to keep us in fear and designed to control us. Now, I'd like to move on to some other news. We're going to kind of speed things up here because we've got a lot to cover. So first of all, um, we are going to go back to adding another thing to our screen here. And this is getting, this is getting, this is going to be fun folks, because I've got a lot of stuff to share with you. Okay. So first up, first item in the news, we're going to cover a little news first. Overdose, overdose deaths. Far outpaced COVID-19 deaths in San Francisco. That's right. So crisis fueled by the powerful painkiller fentanyl could have been far worse if it wasn't for the nearly 3,000 times Narcan was used 
from January to the beginning of November to save someone from the brink of death, the San Francisco Chronicle reported Saturday. A record 621 people died of drug overdoses in San Francisco so far this year, a staggering number that far outpaces the 173 deaths from COVID-19 the city has seen thus far. And this, this, it echoes what we've been hearing in other cities, like here in Los Angeles, the the death rate of people who have died from overdose is up over 300%, as is the suicide rate, 300%. And this falls in line with what I've been telling you, that we are under attack by China. They've been sending over this fentanyl as, as one prong of the attack, the chemical prong of the attack, and it's having an effect. It's, it's, it's killing nearly... Three times, we're looking at two and a half times more people than than the coronavirus is. All right, where's the outrage for that? Why aren't we shutting things down for that? Why aren't they offering facilities and things to help these these people? Because that's not the goal. The goal is death at any at any rate, any way. The globalist New World Order is trying to kill us off in any way it can, as is the, the, the Communist Chinese Party. So moving on to our next item. Federal agency says employers can require workers to get the COVID-19 vaccine. Now, this is important because what we're going to share with you shortly here about the COVID-19 vaccine <clears throat> is that it's very dangerous and, in fact, completely unnecessary for many people to take. And the fact that the government, a key federal agency this week, said that employers can legally require their workers to get the COVID-19 vaccine and prevent them from entering their workplaces if they refuse. This is the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. Okay, so here we have an, another unelected body of bureaucrats deciding what is good for your health. This is dangerous because this is setting a precedent for not only preventing people from working in these workplaces, which will prevent them from earning a living and, and providing for their families, but for consumers, customers from entering these said workplaces for the same reason. So there, there's, there's, again, is setting a dangerous precedent here. Now, it says that, that uh, requiring a test would not violate the Americans with Disabilities Act of 1990. Now, I strongly disagree with that because the Americans with Disabilities Act states, just as does the mandate for wearing a mask, that people can be exempt from medical procedures and wearing a mask, anything, anything medical related due to either medical for medical reasons or for other, other reasons, such as religious reasons. Now, the law bars employers from requiring medical exams, such as blood tests and, and see, that seek information of an employee's physical or mental condition. But the EEOC said a COVID-19 vaccine does not fall under that category. And I call BS right there. See, now this is, again, a concerted effort to get you to force you to take this vaccine, not by law, mind you, okay, but by using these, these illegal mandates, just like they're doing here in the state of California, these, these unilateral laws passed by, by bureaucrats and people who are, who are not legislators under the guise of safety. And as we'll get to here, it's anything but safe to take this vaccine. Now, here's something kind of funny. In, Austri in Austria, a minister of parliament tested Coca-Cola for COVID-19, and it tested positive. Right? So this is just another 
example of the farce that are these COVID tests, right? Such as the PCR tests that we've found is up to 90%, in some cases over 90%, yields false positives. So they're basing all of this science, all of these policies on a faulty foundation of a positive PCR test. And here we find that you don't even need to be human to test positive for COVID-19. You can be a soft drink, a soft drink. Oh. One final piece of news, the FBI is investigating allergic reactions, or excuse me, the FDA is investigating allergic reactions to the Pfizer vaccine reported in multiple states. And as I'm sure many of you have heard at this point, we've had a lot of reactions from people including anaphylactic shock, wherein people need to be, they need to be rushed to an emergency room to be helped or else they will die. You've seen uh, several nurses. We got nurses in Chicago that have been affected by this. Nurses in all these medical healthcare professionals in, in Chicago and in Alaska have been having adverse reactions to the Pfizer mRNA vaccine. And the director for the FDA Center for Biologics Evaluation and Research told reporters that the reactions had been reported in more than one state besides Alaska and that the FDA is probing five reactions. So that's just five, okay? We're talking about, we're not even through the first week of rolling this thing out. But as you've seen in other parts of the world, such as England, people are having uh, reactions People are, um, <laughs> well, people in, 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 Aust in Australia are, are coming up positive with HIV. They're testing positive for HIV after taking the vaccine. Now, I would like to share with you, again, another bureaucrat. These people who are, they're, they are, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Again, unilaterally passing these policies based on, on pure BS. So I'd like to share it with you another uh, video, short video of Gavin Newsom's health secretary, <clears throat> excuse me, who says that, that the real reason behind the outdoor ban and for dining isn't, isn't, doesn't have to do with transmission of disease at restaurants. They're going to be the tools that help us get this under control. So the decision to include among other sectors, outdoor dining and limiting that, turning to restaurants to deliver and provide takeout options instead, really has to do with the goal of trying to keep people at home, not a comment on the relative safety of outdoor dining. And we have worked hard with- All right, that's enough from him. That guy just pisses me off looking at him. It's not about the relative safety of outdoor dining. It's about keep, keeping, keeping people home. This is what I'm talking about, folks, all right? They're destroying lives over this stuff. Imagine all the people that are out of work right now because of this. And there's no more unemployment left for these people. They're running out of money. You're going to see the homeless population around the country and around the world spike and skyrocket because of this. 
because of people like this. These these unelected bureaucrats that are just playing with people's lives. It's it's absolutely infuriating. I'm infuriated with this. So I'm going to move on here to talking about the vaccine. And before I do, I just need to state for the record that I am not a medical professional. And this is not medical advice. This is purely my calling information and observing and bringing it to your attention. All right. So the first bit of information I want to bring to you is the FDA's allergic reactions due to PEG. And I don't have that slide up here, but I'll, I'll just talk about it briefly, and then we'll go into it more with some of these studies that I'm about to show you. But PEG is polyethylene glycol, and it's what's being used in the vaccines to encapsulate and keep safe the nanoparticles to deliver part of the vaccine. What they don't tell you is that 70% of people have an allergic reaction to PEG or, or, or can be adversely affected by polyethylene glycol. So this is probably what we're seeing in and amongst these, these nurses and other healthcare professionals that are getting this vaccine. These are the types of reactions that they're having, these anaphylactic reactions, because that's how the body reacts to things like this. Another, another effect that has been uh, coming upon people, one of here has been Bell's palsy. And if you're not familiar with what Bell's palsy is, I'll show you right now. That's what it looks like. See, now, this is a picture of three people for our listeners who one side of their, their face is completely paralyzed, meaning it has no function at all. They can't close their eyes. They can't smile. They can't move that side of their face at all. And what, what, these, what these people look like, they look like their faces are contorted in some kind of grimace or pain. But in fact, if you were to pause this video right now and cover up the one half of their face that's that's kind of looks a little bit strange, you'll see that these people are actually smiling. These people are actually smiling, but it looks it looks horrific what 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 they what they look like as a result of this. Now, I'll show you now another another video of a reaction from somebody of a nurse and you may 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 be familiar with this one and or you may not but there was a nurse who took the vaccine and within a minute but about 10 minutes of taking this vaccine yes. so you know all of my staff um she faints we are excited to get the vaccine you know um we are in the covid unit Therefore, you know, my team will be getting first chances to get the vaccine. And I know that um, it's really, I'm sorry, I'm feeling really dizzy. Oh, I'm sorry. I say more like she loses consciousness. Fainting is a, well, it's not a strong enough term for this. 
So this nurse lost consciousness after 10 minutes after taking the vaccine. Now, they attributed it to, this is the spin in the news, that she has an adverse reaction to pain and that she loses consciousness when she has pain. But this is 10 minutes after the injection, 10 minutes after the needle has gone in. Where's the pain? Why is she reacting 10 minutes later? Or could it be perhaps that that's the time it took for the vaccine to circulate through her bloodstream, begin to affect her, begin to get to her brain, to her heart, to her lungs, and these other organs? I suspect it might be the latter. But again, I'm not a medical professional. This is just an observation. So, as I mentioned before, one of the other interesting aspects of this is that it produces false positives. Oops, wrong button. It produces, uh, excuse me, HIV false positives. That's what they're calling them. But it's kind of odd that it's producing HIV positives at all, false or not. Of the dozens of coronavirus vaccines being tested worldwide, the one under development at the University of Queensland was the first to be abandoned. They canceled a roughly $750 million plan for a large order of this vaccine. After the inoculation produced false positive test results for HIV in some volunteers participating in the study. <laughs> yeah. So what I find interesting about that is that several sources have been talking about this virus and its origins and its construction in that it was a man-made virus. You've heard this from a world-class virologist from Hong Kong who had to go into hiding from the Chinese government after she revealed her findings. This is that it is some sort of a chimera virus made up of five different components, one of which is HIV and has an HIV delivery system. Now, I don't understand a lot about virology, but for what I understand, it is something called a P-shuttle gene. And that's used to insert itself into your cells. So this could be the spike protein that they're talking about that is, that is common with this virus. So I find it interesting that we have kind of a connection here between these two elements. That in, on one hand, we have a virus that allegedly has its part HIV. Then we've got a vaccine who, which, which allows, gets peop, allows people to test positive for HIV. So there's some kind of correlation here. Again, I'm not a virologist. I don't understand a lot about vaccines, but there is definitely a correlation here that I find interesting. And I thought you might find that interesting as well. Right. So moving on, uh, one of the most interesting and scary aspects of this thing is that it actually could sterilize people. And the head of uh, Pfizer research, a gentleman named Dr. Michael Yeadon, has come out and presented information that shows just that. So I'll just read off of this and then we'll actually, we'll get to Dr. Yeadon's lawsuit. Well, it's not necessarily a lawsuit, but it is a, it is a 
they've entered it, this into a court of law to prevent this vaccine from being distributed in, in the European Union. So I'll just read this here from December 2nd. Head of Pfizer research, COVID vaccine is female sterilization. Vaccine contains a spike protein called Sinusitin 1, vital for the formation of human placenta in women. If the vaccine works so that we form an immune response against the spike protein, we are also training the female body to attack Sinusitin 1, which could lead to infertility in women of an unspecified duration. The vaccines are expected to produce antibodies against spike proteins of SARS-CoV-2. However, spike proteins also contain sinusitin hom hom homologous proteins. I was reading this much better earlier, folks. I, I do promise you. Which are essential for the formation of the placenta in mammals such as humans. It must be absolutely ruled out that a vaccine against SARS-CoV-2 could trigger an immune reaction against sinusitin-1 as otherwise infertility of indefinite duration could result in vaccinated women. The mRNA vaccines from Biotech, BioNTech, and Pfizer contain polyethylene glycol, PEG, is what we were talking about earlier. 70% of people develop antibodies against this substance. This means that people, that many people can develop allergic, potentially fatal reactions to the vaccination. The much too short duration of the study does not allow a realistic es estimation of the late effects. Nevertheless, BioNTech and Pfizer apparently submitted an application for emergency approval on December 1st, 2020. This is, this is really scary, folks, because they've been talking about population control, population reduction for years. And I'll, I'll bring this up in just a second. I'll show you one of the documents that was published in 1978 by Obama's former science czar. And this is part of the plan. See, it's not necessarily about the virus. It's about everything associated with the virus. It's about population control. It's about population reduction. Okay, so preventing babies from being born and, and killing the ones who already have been, including you and me. So let's move on to Dr. Yeadon's um, document here. This is a, a petition. That's the word I was looking for. To the European Medicines Agency, which is similar to our FDA. And it's by uh, Dr. Wolfgang Woodarg and Dr. Michael Yeadon, who I said was, who I mentioned, was the former science officer and vice president for Pfizer Pharmaceuticals. So this guy knows a thing or two about vaccines, about medicine, about the human body. So we should take him at his word when he says that these are dangerous. Okay. So I'm going to scroll down here to, because uh, we're in the interest of saving time, and I will post this entire document underneath this video. But and you can read it for yourself. It's quite eye-opening, but I'm just going to focus right here on a couple of sections. The first one being section eight. Make sure I've got the right one. Okay, yeah, section eight, section 10, and section 11, right. So section eight here, for a vaccine to work, our immune system needs to be stimulated to produce a neutralizing antibody as opposed to a non-neutralizing antibody. A neutralizing antibody is one that can recognize and bind to some region an epitope of the virus 
that is subsequent and that subsequently results in the virus either not entering or replicating in your cells. A non-neutralizing antibody is one that can bind to the virus, but for some reason, the antibody fails to neutralize the infectivity of the virus. In some viruses, if a person harbors a non-neutralizing antibody to the virus, a subsequent infection by the virus can cause the person to elicit a more severe reaction to the virus due to the presence of the non-neutralizing antibody. Now, this is not true for all viruses, only particular ones. This is called antibody-dependent enhancement, ADE, and is a common problem with dengue virus, Ebola virus, HIV, RSV, and the family of coronaviruses. That's the common cold. In fact, this problem of ADE is a major reason why many previous vaccine trials for other coronaviruses failed. Major safety concerns were observed in animal models, one of which was all of them dying as a result of being exposed to another virus after getting a vaccine. If ADE, if ADE, ADE occurs in an individual, their response to the virus can be worse than their response if, if they had never developed an antibody in the first place. This can cause a hyperinflammatory response, a cytokine storm, and a generally dysregulation of the immune system that allows the virus to cause more damage to our lungs and other organs of our body. In addition, new cell types throughout our body are now susceptible to viral infection due to the additional viral entry pathway. So now this virus can actually, this, this vaccine can actually make you sicker and cause you to die from future viruses. There are many studies that demonstrate that ADE is a persistent problem with coronaviruses in general, and in particular with SARS-related viruses. ADE has proven to be a serious challenge with coronavirus vaccines, and this is the primary reason many of such vaccines have failed in early in vitro or animal trials. For example, rhesus macaques who were vaccinated with the spike protein of the SARS-CoV virus demonstrated severe acute lung injury when challenged with SARS-CoV, while monkeys who were not vaccinated did not. Similarly, mice who were immunized with one of four different SARS-CoV vaccines showed histopathological changes in the lungs with eosifonil infiltration after being challenged with SARS-CoV virus. That's what I'm talking about, folks. A not very pleasant reaction, if you ask me. Again, I am not a medical professional. I am just conveying information to you. You can make your own decisions. Speak to your doctor about these things. Moving on. Item 10. In the Pfizer Biotech mRNA vaccine candidate, polyethylene glycol, PEG, is found in the fatty lipid nanoparticle coating around the mRNA. 70% of people make antibodies to PEG, and most do not know it, creating a concerning situation where many could have allergic, potentially deadly reactions to a PEG-containing vaccine. PEG antibodies may also reduce vaccine effectiveness. Pfizer BioNTech is also inserting an ingredient derived from a marine invertebrate, M-neon green, into its vaccine. The ingredient has bioluminescent qualities, 
making it attractive for medical imaging purposes, but it is unclear why an injected vaccine would need to have that quality. M. Neon Green has no has unknown antigenicity, meaning it doesn't do anything. All it does is show up when you're scanned. Now, what does that remind me of? Hmm. Oh, that's right. The mark of the beast. Yeah. I, these people, I, I, this is insane, folks. Okay. And if you're not familiar with what the mark of the beast is, let me give you a quick lesson. It's mentioned in the Bible, in the book of Revelations, and it says that anybody that doesn't get this mark, either on their on their right hand or on their forehead, will not be able to travel or trade or work or buy or sell. Basically, you're fucked. And this is what they're rolling out, is, is this, this mark to make sure that in order to travel, trade, buy or sell or work, you're going to have to have this vaccine. This is it, folks. This is some serious stuff. This is not a joke. This isn't some fantasy made up, okay? This is this is real. This is the real deal. And you better pay attention because if you're not, you're 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 in big trouble. It says also says in the book that a third of the people on the earth will die. That's just about as many vaccine doses that are going to be available through the year 2021. And hopefully you're not one of those third. Hopefully you're smart enough to avoid that at any cost. So moving on to our final section here, section 11. This is also important. Several vaccine candidates are expected to induce the formation of humoral antibodies against spike proteins of SARS-CoV-2 since Cytin-1. Excuse me which is derived from human endogenous retroviruses and is responsible for the development of a placenta in mammals and humans and is therefore essential prerequisite for a successful pregnancy. It's also found in homologous form in the spike proteins of SARS viruses. There is no indication whether antibodies against spike proteins of SARS viruses would also act like an anti-Cytin-1 antibody. However, if this were to be the case, this would then also prevent the formation of a placenta which would result in vaccinated women essentially becoming infertile. To my knowledge, this is the doctor, Pfizer-BioNTech has, has yet to release any samples of written materials provided to patients, so it is unclear what, if any, information regarding potential fertility-specific risks caused by antibodies is included. According to Section 10.4.2 of the Pfizer-BioNTech trial protocol, a woman of childbearing potential is eligible to participate if she is not pregnant or breastfeeding and is using an acceptable contraceptive method as described in the trial protocol during the intervention period for a minimum of 28 days after the last dose of study intervention. This means that it could take a relatively long time before a noticeable number of cases of post-vaccination infertility could be observed. In layman's terms, we won't know for many years, whether or not this has had that effect on women. And that's scary, folks, because by that time, it'll be too late for many people. Let's say a year from now, that we they're, that's still undetermined, and people are still getting this vaccine. And that's just more and more people, more and more women that will become infertile. I mean, this could be the end of the human race, folks. This is no joke. This is no joke. 
And that's why I'm bringing you this information at the risk of being banned by YouTube, because I feel it's important for you to know. So we're going to move on to the British Medical Journal, which also echoes this. I add that back to the stream here. The British Medical Journal echoed that mRNA vaccines affect coded protein production in the recipient's body. In the case of COVID-19, inert spike antigen proteins are produced. Normally, these enable SARS-CoV-2 coronaviruses, coronavirus particles to enter host cells, but therapeutically inoculation triggers humoral antibody-mediated acquired immunity. Several fatal cases of COVID-19 are associated with immune hyperactivation and excessive cytokine release, leading to multi-organ failure. A broad range of mechanisms with a final common pathway appear to be involved. However, it is suggested that the molecular mimicry may contribute to this problem with antibodies to SARS-CoV-2 spike glycoproteins cross-reacting with structurally similar host hepapeptide heptapeptide protein sequences. Now, this gets into a lot of stuff that I'm unfamiliar with, and I'm not going to continue forward. But as you can see here, it's dangerous. And as I said in the previous paper, it's probably likely that you can have a essentially an allergic reaction to a cold is what is what it's basically saying. So so this vac the vaccine makes your body turn on itself the next time it is presented with a virus, such as a standard coronavirus. It doesn't even need to be a novel coronavirus. Okay, folks, it can just be the regular cold or a flu or any, any virus bug. And your body develops what's called a cytokine storm. It gets overwhelmed. Your organs shut down. You're dead. I'm I'm just beside myself with this information, and I and I, I really hope that this is sinking in with you folks here. I'm gonna I'm gonna show you a, a video here. It's about 11 minutes long, and I feel it's important to show you the entire thing because most importantly, I mean, the, the, this guy, this this guy named Del Bigtree, he produced a video called Vaxed, and it was it was shut down by the mainstream media. It was blocked on every platform. And a big, someone who was not a big fan of the anti-vax movement, which is Robert De Niro, has a son who's in his early 20s who suffers from autism. And he saw this video and it really changed his mind towards vaccines. But what's presented here is more than just the, the effects that the potential effects that vaccines are having on children, which is creating an inordinate amount of, of young men, usually boys coming down with autism. They don't, they haven't been able to link it definitively, but there is a, there is a correlation. So let's pull up that video right here. Let me see if I can get the right one. And I'm having a tough time finding it here. Uh, it will be mandatory. That's the one. Okay, here we go. So I'm gonna pull this up. And here's the video.
So you make the documentary. The position has been given. The data shows us in 1975, one in every 5,000 kid has autism. 1982, one in 2,500. 1994, one in 500. 2000, one in 166. 2004, one in 150. 2009, one in 110. 2011, one in 68. 2013, one in 45. Projected 2032, one out of every two kids is going to have autism. Correct. That's catastrophic, right? You put the documentary out there. Tribeca turns it down. Robert De Niro, who is somebody politically would have typically disagreed with someone like you, but because at the time, his 16-year-old son has autism. He's around 21, 22 today. He's emotionally connected to it, and he's trying to hold himself back. He says, I believe everybody should watch this, right? Okay. Yeah. Everybody starts looking at this. Emails you've gotten from both sides, people that have connected with you from both sides. What's been the best argument you've gotten from those who say, Dell? You're a fool. You're absolutely wrong. You're not even looking at it from this standpoint. Why are you still doing this arguing about vaccine? This is a hoax. This is a propaganda. You're hurting so many kids' lives. You're doing this. I work on the doctor's television show. So I started asking every doctor I knew, including hosts on the doctors. And I said, if I'm wrong, show me where I'm wrong. I want off this road. I mean, I'm, I'm all about the truth. Please show me. Explain to me what I'm missing here. How is this data wrong? How is it? Show me a study that can disprove what we're seeing here. And I'll be honest, no one has ever actually done that. They cannot say that they're safe, period. Full stop, end of story. I'm not anti-vaccine. I'm anti-injecting, number one, products that don't keep the safety studies, and number two, products that have liability protection, meaning I cannot sue the manufacturer if it does injure me or does injure my children. And the reason that's problematic is I know since they've never been able to be sued since the 1986 act that took all liability away, there's been no market incentive to evolve the science of vaccines. They have absolutely zero risk. So you know, money people, why would anybody spend money for no reason to evolve a product and make it safer than it already is if you can't sue them anyway? Vaccine, COVID-19, with them telling us the fact that, you know, it's the most important vaccine we got to take if it comes out. Now, obviously, at this point of the game, you don't seem very confident about any of the vaccines yourself. But if they come out with this vaccine and they're presenting it to us that we ought to take it, whether it's Fauci or Gates, how confident are you in us needing to take this COVID-19 vaccine? Well, not at all. In fact, I, I know you don't. For the most part, 99% of this country and the world do not need to take it. I mean, every scientific report has shown us that 99, over 99% of us, this is a common cold. That's just the fact. It's a common cold. It is only deadly for 0.26 now percent of Americans. Uh, and we're seeing even a decline in the death rates because I think we're actually learning that we're treating it incorrectly. So what we're talking about is a vaccine that 99.74% of us don't even need. That's the case. Uh, just like a cold, this is going to be the sniffles for most people. And, and people say, you're crazy. No, listen to how many times they say the term asymptomatic carrier, right? That means someone that is so not sick, they don't even know that they're carrying it. That is the greater body of people. And then if you're not that, then you're someone that just has a light cold. There's an acute extreme response for 0.26% of our population that have other life-threatening illnesses that are putting them in harm's way. And by the way, a common cold has always been dangerous 
from people that are on the late stages of heart disease or COPD or diabetes, and that's what we're seeing. But let's talk about this vaccine. Number one, I'm never against any vaccine that they recommend for people to take. Go right ahead, it's a free country. I have a problem with the languaging that this is gonna be forced. Bill Gates is saying he wants a forced vaccination program for all 7.5 billion people in the world. I believe that this pandemic has been blown out of proportion in order to force the entire adult population into a mandated vaccine program, just like our children are at. In fact, I've been predicting that for the last three years on every stage I speak on. This is, has been a goal by the WHO for many years, and now we're seeing it. I believe this pandemic is being used to create such difficulty in our lives. We can't go to work. We're losing our money. We have to wear a mask. We got to stay six feet apart. We can't kiss. We can't hug. Also, they make us so miserable. So when they rush this vaccine out, we go, fine, I'll take it if that's what it's going to take to get our lives back to normal. But know this, it won't just be that vaccine. The moment you allow the government to say you have to take it, you just bought into the vaccine program for every adult. And guess what? You didn't get the 54 vaccines your children are getting. Now you have to catch up on 54 vaccines. Guess what? 270 vaccines are already approved and in the pipeline you've never heard of. And thousands of vaccines are on tr in trials right now as we speak because the future of the industry is a product that doesn't test for safety, as I told you, has no liability, and can be forced on you by government mandates. It's the greatest product pharma's ever had, and it happens to be your future if you don't stand up for your rights. If you read every headline, it's telling us, Patrick, there's two words in a sentence that I think make it the most dangerous sentence known to man. Every time you read, they are rushing the science. That is what we read in every headline talking about COVID-19. I'm not exaggerating it. We are rushing science. Now let's talk about this vaccine. It is not a brand new vaccine. It is not another version of a measles vaccine. They have been attempting a coronavirus vaccine since for the last at least 20 years. Very specifically since we had SARS, which was a coronavirus back in the early 2000s, multiple drug companies have been attempting to make a coronavirus vaccine. Here's what's amazing and I discovered in our research. Every single animal trial by all of those different drug companies and different approaches to a coronavirus vaccine had the same result. In every one of the trials, they used ferrets. It's a popular animal. I think it has a similar immune system to human beings. They gave them their trial COVID or coronavirus vaccine and the animals seemed to be doing just fine. They would have said it's safe. Look, the animal's fine, vaccine didn't hurt them. They even checked their blood and they were having robust antibody production, meaning it looks like it really works. And they're probably all jumping up and down in their laboratories. But here's what happens. In an animal trial, you're allowed to go one step further than you're ethically allowed to in a human trial. That's called a challenge study where they actually put the animal in contact with the virus. Can't do this with human beings. But they put the ferrets in contact with coronavirus and every single one of the trials had the same problem. Instead of the antibodies protecting the animal from the coronavirus, the antibodies actually helped the virus attack their own immune system and it overreacted. They had serious upper respiratory conditions, organ failure, what's called a cytokine storm, meaning the immune system sent their body into inflammation and brain all over. Many of the animals died. It was so catastrophic that in these trials, you'll see at the end a caution that says, we should be very careful moving forward with human trials. Well, now we have just skipped all the animal trials and we're going into these small human trials 
that will never have the challenge study part of this. So what I'm saying is we are rushing a vaccine that was deadly in the animal trials. And when you think about the money, right, you think about money, you and I both know, where there's billions of dollars to be made, you will find people willing to uh, skip some steps uh, if it means winning the race. And I call this the amazing race. Bill Gates and most of the people in the world are saying this vaccine will be given to all 7.5 billion people. If this vaccine is a cheap vaccine at $100, that means this product will make $750 billion to the winner of this vaccine race right now. There are 100 companies in this race. I assure you, if they have a couple of missteps or a few problems, and they think, well, we can try and overcome them once the product is out, no one wants to give up that cash prize. And so I think we are watching potentially some of the worst science we may ever see. And now imagine if Bill Gates gets his wish. If the WHO manages to force vaccinate the planet, we all have to get this in order to get onto an airplane or to be allowed back into our job or to have the tracking app that's on our phone say, he's allowed to go to the gym, I have to have had that vaccine. If that happens, Patrick, and they didn't overcome this problem, which they're describing, it's called antibody immune enhancement. You've had Tony Fauci allude to this. You've heard him say, there's a potential this vaccine could make people more sick. Or Dr. Peter Hotez, who is actually a scientist that's attempted to make a coronavirus vaccine, he met with the Congress and said, we have this problem of antibody immune enhancement. So imagine everybody gets this vaccine. Let's imagine it's all by good scientists that think they've overcome the problem, but they don't know why it happens. They'll admit that to you. We don't know why this is happening. And they're looking at one strain of the virus. There's already 30 mutations, Patrick. What happens if we all get this vaccine? And maybe if that was fine with the virus that we came in contact with, but two years down the road, there's a mutation to the coronavirus. Just like there's been 30, maybe there's 70. Maybe the 71st mutation triggers this problem where it sends our immune system and instead of protecting us, it attacks us. And now the death rate of COVID is not 0.26%. What if it's 5%? What if it's 10%? What if it's 80% of people start dying because the vaccine is causing them to get more sick instead of protecting them? Here's what I know. We have never seen a virus or a bacteria on this planet since the dawn of man that ever even came close to eradicating the species. But I believe rushing science and forcing everybody to use it, if we make a catastrophic error, there is no way to get that vaccine out of ourselves. And a mistake like that by people that I do think have a real God complex, that could be catastrophic for our species. I would just always caution, I better always have the right to choose what's injected into me. And I'll read the science myself and think, if I think that 0.26% death rate is really worthy of taking on the risk of a vaccine that killed the animals in the animal trial. This issue with um, testing on, on human beings, that's what we're facing right now. This vaccine is, is untested. And there hasn't been a challenge study that was conducted on animals because as, as the doctor pointed out, in these animal trials, the animals died when the challenge test was presented. So they skipped the animal trials for this vaccine. I'm sure a lot of you are not aware of that, but that's the scary aspect of it and that we are being experimented on in violation of the Nuremberg Code, which was set forth after World War II, after Nazi scientists were 
testing on human subjects, many times killing them. And that's what we're trying to prevent here. But it seems as if, and this is a conclusion that I reached many years ago, that, that the Nazis didn't really lose the war. I'm sure many of you, or maybe you're not, are aware of Operation Paperclip. This is where, after World War II, we brought a bunch of Nazi scientists over here to work in our in our industries, whether that's you know in science and medicine, chemical engineering. And they continued their work here, and they infiltrated our drug companies and populated and created our drug companies, our chemical companies, people that make fertilizers and pesticides and herbicides, things that are killing human beings to this day, things that are poisoned upon this earth. And so it seems as not only did we import their scientists, but we apparently imported their ideology, which is killing people, essentially genocide. Uh, it's called eugenics. And they want to kill off the weak. They want to kill off the elderly, they want to kill off the people with mental issues. They want to kill off people that aren't like them, people of color specifically. And I'll be bringing up a document that shows that they might be doing just that. But now that I've kind of moved past our little technical issue there, I'd like to bring your attention to another video. Now, this one is another doctor which echoes what the previous doctor here had said. And this was actually found by our friend and previous show guest, the Roof Korean, Tony Moon. So I'd like to share that with you right now. And now this is in German. So for our listeners, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, hold on, let's pause this here real quick. So I'm, so I'm going to narrate this and We'll, we'll go along for the video of watchers. You can watch and see what, what also what he's saying. So this vaccination potentially has four major risks. If we don't discuss them here and now, then it will be too late. First of all, this is a gene-based vaccine, the one approved in England. And that will probably be approved in Europe soon. has four major risks. Firstly, the vaccination alone causes side effects that are very serious. They, the test subjects, were young, healthy people, and half of them had fever, chills, muscle aches, aching limbs, headaches, and they felt sick. So now, if you go and give this to elderly people with pre-existing conditions, a vaccination of this kind, well, I don't want to imagine what will happen to them. So there weren't enough test subjects with similar conditions to those who are receiving the vaccination now? None. None of the test subjects had pre-existing conditions. The second risk, this vaccine has several components. The substance that encapsulates it, mRNA, can cause very serious allergic reactions. Thirdly, strange enough, this vaccine can contribute an adverse overreaction. to subsequent naturally occurring infections. And not just with this, but with such as a flu virus. It causes an explosive, I missed that, test done on animals for SARS-CoV-1 showed there was an amplification of the immune system reaction to the disease. 
The animals that were vaccinated nearly died. This is an immense danger. Once again, once a gene-based vaccination is injected into your arm, within minutes, the vaccine spreads throughout your body, the mRNA vaccine. It also enters cells that normally wouldn't be infected. There it starts the production of this virus protein. In your cells, your cells become a factory. Let me tell you one thing, just briefly, could you just tell us the fourth risk? You mentioned four. The fourth risk is, well, it cuts it off right there. But what I was, my point was folks, is that it's not just one or two doctors, it's several doctors that are talking about this. So right now we've got doctors in Germany here. We've got the American doctor that we just showed you. You've got the British doctor, Michael Yeaton, who also has been warning of these, of these potential effects of the, of the vaccine. Now, I want to share with you a document that back in, in, back in the early 70s, um, it, it showed uh, that well, it, what it called for essentially was the reduction of the human population and seemingly by any means necessary. Uh, I'm, I'm really beside myself with this, this uh, information. I, I, just, I, I just can't believe I, when I come across this stuff, it's so, it is so disturbing that it, it defies, it really defies just any, any type of logic that they would, they, they, they would, they would be promoting this, okay? So here we go. Here's the screen I was looking for. So this was a publication called Ecoscience, and it was published in 1978 by Paul Eirich, uh, Ehrlich, Anne Ehrlich, and John Holdren. Now, if that name sounds familiar to you, that's because that was Obama's former chief science czar. So this guy basically wrote the book on population control. Now, this is just an excerpt from the book. There, there, it gives several out, uh, excerpts here through the bottom, and I'll, I'll include this link and you can view them yourself. But this one in particular is disturbing. It's on individual rights and the need to curtail them. <laughs> that just right there is a big, a big red flag. Anyway, individual rights must be balanced against the power of government to control human reproduction. Some people, respected legislators, judges, and lawyers included, have viewed the right to have children as a fundamental and inalienable right. Yet neither the Declaration of Independence nor the Constitution mentions a right to reproduce, nor does the UN Charter describe such a right. Although a resolution of the United Nations affirms the right responsibly to choose the number and spacing of children, our, our emphasis. In the United States, individuals have a constitutional right to privacy, and it has been held that the right to privacy includes the right to choose whether or not to have children, at least to the extent that a woman has a right to choose not to have children. But the right is not unlimited. Where the society has a compelling subordinate interest in regulating population size, the right of the individual may be eliminated. I can't believe the way these people talk. They've, they've, 
Look at this. This is the late 70s. They're talking about taking away your rights. And what are they doing now? They're still at it. They're still trying to take away your rights. These, these, these unelected bureaucrats, these, these so-called educated elites are trying to steal your rights. It's, it's again, it's infuriating that these people are, are even allowed to enter into government in any form or fashion. And they publish this stuff and it's taken as gospel by people who work in the government, people who want to promote this agenda. And it's, 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 it's infuriating. But as I, as I also uh, pointed out, there's another document here. Actually, it's a news article that just came out. It says, half of the U.S. states want to prioritize blacks and Hispanics for vaccines. And as I mentioned before, this lines up with U.N. Agenda 21, which is the population control and reduction of, of humans on Earth with a specific emphasis on people of color. And they've been doing this for years with the weaponization of food and medicine, but specifically food. You see, because Hispanic people are more prone to diabetes and there's a lot of sugar in food and especially in American food. They use it to make it more addictive, right? And then the African-American population is more susceptible to um, heart or high blood pressure, right? Hypertension. And that is brought about by alcohol and high salt content in food. And there's a lot of salt in our food. In fact, when I left, I left the country and lived abroad for about six months in Central America. And when I came back and I sat down at a restaurant and had a meal, I, I was so surprised at how salty the food was. Everything was really salty. So it's salty, it's high in fat. And these target, these genetically target these populations, these black and Hispanic populations. And so now they want to prioritize giving these same populations the vaccine that very well could kill them. It says, every single US state is being advised to consider ethnic minorities as critical groups for vaccination with half prioritizing black and Hispanic residents over white. Half of the US states mentioned racial equity in their plans for vaccine rollout. You see how they, they disguise this as, as racial equity. All these, all these, you know, leftist virtue signalers are doing their best to to cover the the evil plan that, to, to roll out this vaccine to kill people under the guise of 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 racial equity. All right, of these twelve states specifically mentioned efforts to reach diverse populations: California, Louisiana, New Mexico, North Carolina, and Indiana are among those who have listed equity as the key principle for vaccine distribution. New Jersey, California, and Kansas will focus on improving access to the vaccine by targeting transportation issues. Now, I'm not sure exactly what that means, whether or not they mean to target people who take public transportation or require people who take public transportation to take the vaccine. That's kind of ambiguous there. New Mexico will focus on Native American communities, and many states will be focusing on their communication to Black communities who have shown an increased hesitance to take the vaccine. Of course, because they've been experimented upon before. The Muskegee, excuse me, Tuskegee experiment. The Tuskegee Airmen were experimented upon. These were uh, an entirely a Black regiment of the 
of the Air Force, I believe, that were experimented on by the military. And they were given syphilis, I believe. So black people are hesitant and I wouldn't blame them, but they say that, and here it is in the US, black and Hispanic people are, are almost three times more likely to die from COVID-19 than whites. All right, so th there could be a variety of reasons for that, medically speaking, okay? One could be these pre-existing conditions, whether they are high blood pressure or obesity and, uh, obesity and, and, and diabetes, okay? These all kind of go hand in hand. But it could also be due to their inability to absorb vitamin D as easily as Caucasian people can. Because the dark skin, the melanin in the skin prevents the sun or these, these UV rays from getting through the skin to trigger the, the production of vitamin D in the body. And so that's why they are also more prone to getting sick from, from these diseases. Now, a way to fix that is to take vitamin D supplements. It's very simple. Vitamin D, vitamin C, and zinc. And I've been telling people this for a while, and I'll tell you again, if you're not taking those supplements, you should. I do. I've been exposed to people that had COVID, never got it. I've been healthy this whole time, and I'm healthy. I'm 100% healthy, not even, a, not even a sniffle or a cough during this whole thing. So that right there is another big red flag, right? So we're gonna, we're gonna move on to part two of this. And I know we're running short on time, but we may go a little bit over today. So hopefully you'll bear with me because this is some important information because we're gonna get now to asymptomatic carriers and the studies that show that again, asymptomatic carriers just do not spread coronavirus. That's what all this fear is about. That's what all these masks are about, okay? They, and I've showed you this study before. This is one um, published in the, in, uh, the national, by the National Institute of Health, okay? This is Fauci's organization. And it's a study on the in infectivity of asymptomatic SARS-CoV-2 carriers. And what they found was that that um, the median contact time for patients, these are results, was four days, and, and that for family members was five days. Cardiovascular disease accounted for 25% among original diseases of patients. Apart from hospital staffs, both patients and family members were isolated medically. During the quarantine, seven patients plus one family member appeared new respiratory systems, where fever was the most common one. The blood counts in most contacts were within a normal range. All CT images showed no sign of COVID-19 infection, no severe acute respiratory syndrome, coronavirus 2, that's SARS-CoV-2, infections were detected in 455 contacts by nucleic acid test. That's because when you're asymptomatic, there's a reason you're asymptomatic, is because you're not infectious. You don't have enough of the virus in your system to even be detected. And what they've been doing with these PCR tests is they've been cycling them up well beyond what is recommended, which I think is 30 cycles. They've been doing 40, 45 cycles with these things. Each cycle is, an, is another order of magnitude of 100 times. So what they're doing is they're, they're, they're magnifying the sample to find 
the smallest little bit of a virus. It, it, it and it's not. It doesn't even detect live virus. All right, folks. This is this is not even live virus we're talking about. We're talking about particles and little bits of a virus, any virus. It could be a cold that you had three years ago. And that's why you're seeing the numbers continue to go up across, across the United States. You hear these alarming numbers, record number of, of cases, record number of positive tests, okay? But they're not sick. There's no, no, there's, there's no sick people to go along with that. Sure, people are getting sick, but nothing more than what normally happens during a cold and flu season. And those numbers are coming out as well to back that up. In fact, I believe that was the reason we got banned off of YouTube is because we showed the study from Johns Hopkins that said that there were no more deaths in 2020 than during the same period in 2018 and 2019. Same amount of deaths, not 200,000, not 300,000 more, okay? And it seems as if magically heart disease has disappeared this year, as has death from the flu and pneumonia. So what we're looking at is mis, mis characterizing or mislabeling these deaths as COVID deaths because they're using these PCR tests which are coming up with faulty results, in many cases 90% or more. So again, the more testing, the more cases we get, but we don't get sick people. But it's got everybody in this panic, the way the news media spins it. You'd think that it's the end of the world, that people are dying left and right, that the hospitals are overrun. I tell you what, I talked to several people that work in hospitals, nurses that work in COVID wards. One in particular told me the other day, they still have many beds. There's still, uh, what is it? She said there were two people uh, in the ER, or excuse me, in ICU that were there with COVID and they weren't going to die. They were just being watched because they had severe symptoms, but they also had other pre-existing conditions. And I don't, I don't know how many times I, I got to say this, folks. Do not listen to the news. Turn off CNN. Turn off Fox. Turn them all off. Because they're nothing but fear porn designed to send you into a frenzy so that you'll be begging for this vaccine, which is going to kill you. I can't emphasize this enough. Please, please listen to me. You have less of a chance of dying from this than you do in a car accident. You're more likely to die in a car accident than you are from, from SARS-CoV-2. Okay? You have a 99.97% chance of survival. Or you can take a vaccine that has the potential to kill you. As we've just shown you. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on to the next study that... that, that finds another study now finds that asymptomatic spread not a significant source of the CCP virus, the Chinese Communist Party virus. All right. That's what the article says, right? But I went one better. We went to the actual source of the study. Here's the study. And here's what it says. Virus cultures were negative for all asymptomatic positive and repositive cases, indicating no viable virus in positive cases detected in this study. And you're talking about a study of Let's back it up here. Over 10 million people, 10 million people, actually, I'm sorry, almost 10 million. They tested a total of, of 9,899,828 persons. Okay. Okay. And there were no, there were no positives. 
this is, and this is, this is, this is in Wuhan. All right. This is where it all started. This is the source. All right. So that's what I'm telling you folks. There, there's, there's no such thing as an asymptomatic spread of this, of this virus. So stop looking sideways at the person next to you at the supermarket. If they're not wearing a mask, I'm talking about me. Yeah. I'm serious. I'm sick of it. I got kicked out of a store the other day. I wasn't allowed to buy my food because I wasn't wearing a mask. That's discrimination, first of all. And the law protects me against that, but they don't seem to care. You see, they don't think that they, think, they don't know me. They don't know that I'm far more litigious than my contemporaries and that I'm going to sue them for a violation of my civil rights. Then there's uh, we're going to move on to masks here real quick. The efficacy of masks or, or lack thereof. There's a, a, a study done in the Primary Doctor Medical Journal, which is a peer-reviewed journal by physicians and scientists without commercial influence. So this is a very reputable source because, they, again, they're not influenced by money. They're influenced by science and medicine, all right, facts. And I pulled up a couple of different studies here. One was the that masks are neither effective nor safe. So we're going to run through this relatively quickly because we're running short on time here. But... We're just going to go over the basics here. So are masks effective at preventing transmission of respiratory pathogens? 2020 meta-analysis found that face masks have no detectable effect against transmission of viral infections. And there is a reference here. And I'm going to include this document. And you can go and you can look at the references and you can see for yourself that this is actual factual truth. All right. It found compared to masks, there were no reduction in, in, of influenza-like illnesses cases or influenza for masks in the general population, nor in healthcare workers. So let's scroll down to that. Uh, reasons being airflow around masks. Most masks have been assumed to be effective in obstructing forward travel of viral particles. Considering those positioned next to or behind the mask wearer, there have been farther transmission of virus-laden fluid particles from masked individuals than from unmasked individuals by means of several liquid leakage jets, including intense backwards and downwards jets, that may present major hazards. All right, although the masks were thought to reduce forward airflow by 90% or more, um, all masks were thought to reduce forward airflow by 90% or more, but it blows up and out and back. So um, the penetration through the masks, a, a study of 44 mask brands found that, found mean 35.6 penetration percent penetration. Most medical masks had over 20% penetration, while general masks and handkerchiefs had no protective function in terms of the aerosol filtration efficiency. So that, that, that cute little bedazzled thing that you're wearing on your face doesn't do dick, all right? Neither does that handkerchief or that neck gaiter. In fact, what they're doing is aerosolizing your spit particles and spreading it if you've got it, if you're sick. If you're sick, stay home. Don't even put on a mask because it doesn't work. Just don't go out, okay? Do us all a favor, please. Now, it, now it, it says here, it may be helpful to remember that an aerosol is a colloidal... All right, let's back up here. A study found that medical masks, general masks, and handkerchiefs were found to provide little protection against respiratory aerosols. It may be helpful to remember that an aerosol is a colloidal suspension of liquid or solid particles in a gas. 
in respiration, the relevant aerosol is the suspension of bacterial or viral particles in inhaled or exhaled breath. Another study, penetration of cloth mass by particles was almost 97% and medical mass 44%. All right. It doesn't protect you, doesn't protect anyone else from you. It's pointless. It's an exercise in control through fear. Next, like I said, this is, this is social engineering. It is going to be the vaccine. This is all part of the plan, folks. Now, here's the best one. The N95 respirator, right? The best that you can buy, right? They are. These are made with a 0.3 micron filter. N95 respirators were so named because 95% of particles having a diameter of 0.3 microns are filtered by the mass forward by the wearer, forward of the wearer rather, by use of electrostatic an electrostatic mechanism. Coronaviruses are approximately 0.125 microns in diameter. So almost three times as small as what the N95 filters out. Okay, N95s provide, do not provide superior protection to face masks against viral infections or influ influenza-like infections. Okay. Another study did find superior protection by N95 respirators when they were fit tested compared to surgical masks. Okay, so N95 is better than a surgical mask. Well, let's look at surgical masks. A 2010 study found that surgical masks offered no protection at all against influenza. Another study found that surgical masks had about 85% penetration ratio of aerosolized inactivated influenza particles and about 90% of Staphylococcus aureus bacteria, although S. aureus particles were about six times the diameter of influenza particles. Ma use of masks in surgery were found to slightly increase incidence of infection over not masking in a study of 3,088 surgeries. Surgeons' masks were found to give no protective effect to the patients. So it's merely theater, folks. It's the illusion of protection that these are providing. Now, the reason they do wear masks during surgeries is so that they don't spit into your open wounds if they're talking, okay? Or that nasal discharge doesn't drip down into your, into your body cavity when they're open and doing surgery on you. Other than that, in terms of viruses, viruses come and, come and go right through those masks, as you can see right here. Now, let's, let's, let's scroll down to cloth masks. <laughs> This is this is this is the joke at this point. All right, cloth masks were found to have low efficiency for blocking particles of 0.3 microns and smaller. Aerosol penetration through a variety of cloth masks examined was found to be between 74 and 90 percent. The filter efficiency of fabric materials was 3 percent to 33 percent. So again, that pretty little thing that you're wearing on your face that you think looks cool—it's got that cool design on it. Doesn't do shit at all. Does nothing. So. Are masks safe? Surgical mask wearers uh, had significantly increased, I don't know this word, dyspnea after a six minute walk uh, than non-mask wearers. I think that has to do with oxygen reduction. So researchers are concerned about possible burden of face masks during physical activity on pulmonary, circulatory, and immune systems due to oxygen reduction and air trapping, reducing substantial carbon dioxide exchange. As a result, hypercapnia, there may be uh, cardiac overload, renal overload, and a shift to metabolic acidosis. 
All right, so it's not good for you to breathe your own filth, folks. Imagine that. It took a scientist to tell us that, right? It doesn't take common sense. So there's risks, there's risks, there's risks. Benefit versus risk. Mask impede, necessary volume of air intake. They, they uh, sometimes bandanas the car, scars are used. Use of face masks, whether cloth, surgical, or N95, creates a poor obstacle to aer aerosolized pathogens. So as we can see from the meta-analysis of <clears throat> studies in this paper. So, sorry, I get a little dry, dry mouth there. Masks are no good, folks. Masks are no good. Uh, the next study, and we'll be real quick about this one. Mask false safety and real dangers. Mask mandates have resulted in no reductions in incidence of COVID-19 as detected by positive PCR tests among nations or states. <clears throat> so increased rates or insignificant change in the incidence of SARS-CoV-2 infections as detected by PCR tests have followed mask mandates throughout the world and in the US. So let's look at this chart down here. So what this chart shows is the cases this is up and down here. So high is here. This is up to 25,000 cases and percentage of mask use. So as we see 0% max, we're getting 10,000 cases, 20%, 10,000, 50%, 10,000. For some reason at 60%, it drops, but then 65% mask usage, usage, it spikes to more than double that as well as when you get the upper ranges of 85 and 90%, and for some reason, it stops at 100%, perhaps not 100% of people wear their masks. I know I'm not one of them. So there you go, folks. There's the science. Masks don't work. Masks don't prevent anything. Stop, stop wearing them. Take them off. They're actually bad for you, as the science has shown you. And again, I will post this for your perusal at uh, below this video and in the uh, in the show notes section of the audio version of this podcast. Right. So moving on to therapeutics. This is our final section here. And again, we're going to run a little bit over, but I think it's important to bring these things to your attention because these are things that you can use to, to, uh, to help you. Oh, hold on. Here's, here, here, here are the therapeutics. So first one is called molnupiravir. Boy, that's a tough one to say. A drug that may completely stop the spread of coronavirus in 24 hours. So in, in early tests of animals, the new antiviral drug MK4482 or molnupiravir has managed to suppress completely the transmission of the coronavirus in just 24 hours, according to studies by the Institute of Biomedical Sciences at Georgia State University. This is the first demonstration of an orally available drug that quickly blocks the transmission of SARS-CoV-2. So it could be a game changer. It was developed at Emory University in Atlanta by the drug innovation company, Drug Innovation Ventures at Memory. And which is licensed to Ridgeback Biotherapeutics, bio which partnered with Merck. So this could be available soon, hopefully, and we won't have to rely upon the vaccine. So this is one that's currently in the pipeline. There's another drug called Ivermectin, 
who's 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 been making the rounds. Um, there's actually a lot of doctors that are are looking at ivermectin as a very promising drug. And here it is on the NIH website. Ivermectin is a FDA-approved antiparasitic drug and is used to treat several neglected tropical diseases, including, well, I'm not going to try and pronounce those. But proposed mechanism of action and rationale for use in patients with COVID-19. Ivermectin acts by inhibiting the host importin alpha-beta-1 nuclear transport proteins, which are part of a key intracellular transport process that viruses hijack to enhance infection by suppressing the host antiviral response. Ivermectin is therefore a host-directed agent, which is likely the basis for its broad spectrum activity in vitro against the viruses that cause dengue, Zika, HIV, and yellow fever. And here's what I love, their recommendation. The COVID-19 treatment guidelines panel recommends against the use of Ivermectin for the treatment of COVID-19, except in a clinical trial. Well, I wonder why they would be against a relatively cheap drug that could prevent the spread of the virus. Hmm. Oh, that's right. The NIH is partnered together with Moderna, who has their own RNA vaccine in the pipeline. Yeah, that's why. Money, folks. Money. The government is partnered together with the private sector to create a vaccine that they want you to take. Now, if you had this inexpensive means of protecting yourself against the vaccine used either prophylactically or as a means to prevent the spread to others, you might not have to take their vaccine. So you can't trust these bastards. You can't trust them at all, folks. This is really, I'm gonna show you a video of a doctor who is begging, begging Congress and one of the one of the panels to, to allow him to use this. So pull up that video right now, and here it is. And you'll, you'll listen to this talk. It's just a couple minutes long, so it's not too much, but you'll get the idea. Hold on. Let's back it up here. We, again, stand by our manuscript. It is a scientific manuscript. It's been submitted for peer review. But please recognize peer review takes time. It takes months. We do not have months. We have 100,000 patients in the hospital right now dying. I'm a lung specialist. I'm an ICU specialist. I've cared for more dying COVID patients than anyone can imagine. They're dying because they can't breathe. They can't breathe. They're on high-level <clears throat> oxygen delivery devices. They're on non-invasive ventilators and where they're sedated and paralyzed and attached to mechanical ventilators that breathe for them. And I watch them every day. They die. By the time they get me in the ICU, they're already dying. They're almost impossible to recover. Early treatment is key. We need to offload the hospitals. We are tired. I can't keep doing this. If you look at my manuscript, and if I have to go back to work next week, any further deaths are going to be needless deaths, and I cannot be traumatized by that. I cannot keep caring for patients when I know that they could have been saved with earlier treatment, and that drug that will treat them and prevent the hospitalization is ivermectin. This is, I am here today, I'm calling to action. The NIH, their last recommendation was August 27th. August 27th. I want to be clear. I am not here as a politician or a dramatist or, or sensationalizing what I'm recommending. I'm going to be very clear and very simple. All I ask is for the NIH to review our data that we've compiled of all of the emerging data. We have almost 30 studies. 
everyone is reliably and reproducibly positive, showing the dramatic impacts of ivermectin. Please, I'm just asking that they review our manuscript. It is a serious manuscript by serious, highly experienced physicians and researchers. We, we have, I cannot call on more credibility than we have. We're not just a, a random doctor who's saying that we have a cure. I don't wanna say I have a cure. I'm just asking review our data. We have immense amounts of data to show that ivermectin must be implemented and implemented now. All right. So there you have it. So if the NIH and Fauci, they say, well, we don't have any other treatments, you gotta take this vaccine, you know they're lying. As if you didn't already know, but they're lying. They're lying. They have treatments. They have means to, to address the disease in other ways, preventatively, therapeutically, before uh, it, gets, it gets to the point where you end up in the ICU, where you end up in, a morgue okay so don't let them tell you otherwise that's ivermectin all right there's also a drug called quercetin now this came to my attention through a friend whose father is a doctor whose name i will not share with you because i don't want the fbi raiding his offices because that's what they do these days this is a drug called quercetin and it's actually a naturally it's not even really a drug per se because it's a naturally occurring compound that occurs in uh, it's like a flavonoid and occurs in 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 things like onions and kale and fruits and vegetables and things of that sort and quercetin it works a lot like hydroxychloroquine in that it opens up a zinc channel into your cells and allows for zinc to go into the cell which prevents the virus from replicating in that cell it shuts down the production of virus replication in cells, or it doesn't allow viruses to enter and rather and replicate. So this is called quercetin, and this is actually something you can pick up at a local like vitamin store, vitamin shop, any place that you get supplements, you can get this. You can also pick it up online, but I would recommend shopping at one of your local stores rather than ordering it from Amazon because we'd like to help out our local economies, okay? Um, now here's a, here's a, just a quick report on speaking of hydroxychloroquine that shows that HCQ could have saved tens of thousands of lives in the U S and well, Dr. Fauci again, and the NIH present prevented it from being available to the public. They encouraged the FDA to block the public's access to it, but Latest international testing of hydroxychloroquine treatment of coronavirus shows countries that had early use of the drug had a 79% lower mortality rate than countries that banned the use of the safe malaria drug. This means that Dr. Fauci, Dr. Birx, the CDC, the liberal fake news media, and the tech giants have been pushing a lie that has had deadly consequences. Look, here's, here's the chart. All those in red here, these are the ones that had limited or early HCQ, limited early HCQ use. Look at the death rates. All right. All, all well above, you know, in the hundreds of thousands to, to even more, like in, in apparently in Mexico. This is a pretty bad one. Um, then look at these uh, on, on the lower end of here. 
had early uh, HCQ use. Costa Rica, Israel, India, Russia, Turkey, Morocco, Ukraine, Algeria, Indonesia, Greece, Cuba. Look at how low their death rates are. Okay? It's obvious. It's obvious. And we should be screaming and yelling at our public officials and our elected representatives to allow us to use this life-saving drug that is, it is not dangerous. They have lied to us. It has been in use for 60 years. It has very few side effects. The majority of people take very well to it. And, and, that, and that's talking about extended use, regular use. People use this for like arthritis and uh, lupus and diseases like that. But you're talking about taking 200 milligrams twice a week for one week. So a total of 400 milligrams, period, you're done, along with zinc and azithromycin. Now, again, I'm not a medical professional. This is just what I've read. And these life-saving drugs are out there, and they're preventing us from having them. All right, next one up. This one we brought to you before. West Texas doctor says an asthma drug is a silver bullet for COVID-19. What he's talking about is a drug called budesonide. Uh, and this can be taken via a, a nebulizer, an inhaler, two treatments, along with, again, with a, a Zithromax. And you're, you're, you're out the door and you're done. You're feeling well within 24 hours, uh, within one treatment. And within 24 hours, all their symptoms have been gone. So this coincides with another uh, drug that was used with the, for the president, which was also a corticosteroid. That's what budesonide is, a corticosteroid. And they used it for, uh, for Donald Trump. This is a drug called Regeneron. And I could be mistaken. It's, uh, Regeneron is a, is a cocktail of drugs, which includes a corticosteroid. So that was the one drug that bounced our president right out of the hospital in three days. He was in and out and back up and running and running the country and campaigning and going to three states a day and visiting tens of thousands of people. And, and Regeneron was a drug that, that helped him do that. And so, again, there is no reason why we need to take this vaccine when we have therapeutics that can treat people, okay? You don't need to take an untested, unexperimented, potentially deadly vaccine when you've got therapeutics that work that won't kill you. And then finally, I'd like to bring your attention this group of doctors, tens of thousands of doctors that are calling for the end of this medical tyranny from around the world. There's, there's, they're, they're called Doctors for Truth. And I will, give, I will leave a link again for you to follow up on, uh, but they're also part of what's called the Great Barrington Declaration. And this is signed by over 50,000 uh, so far, right here, it says 29,000, but I, I just recently went back and it's over 50,000 doctors, medical practitioners, all right? And the Great Barrington Declaration, it states that as infectious disease epidemiologists and public health scientists, we have grave concerns about the damaging physical and mental health impacts of the prevailing COVID-19 policies and recommend an approach we call focused protection. Coming from both the left and right and around the world, we have devoted, excuse me, devoted our careers to protecting people. Current lockdown policies are producing devastating effects on short-term, on short and long-term public health. The results, to name a few, 
include lower childhood vaccination rates, worsening cardiovascular disease outcomes, fewer cancer screenings, and deteriorating mental health, leading to greater excess mortality in years to come with the working class and younger members of society carrying the heaviest burden. Keeping students out of school is a grave injustice. Keeping these measures in place until a vaccine is available will cause irreparable damage with the underprivileged disproportionately harmed. Of course, they're going after our society's most vulnerable, as Nazis normally do. Fortunately, our understanding of the virus is growing. We know that vulnerability to death from COVID-19 is more than a thousandfold higher in the old and infirm than the young. Indeed, for children, COVID-19 is less dangerous than many other harms, including influenza. Okay? So as immunity builds in the population, the risk of infection to all, including the vulnerable, falls. We know that all populations will eventually reach herd immunity, i.e. the point at which the rate of new infections is stable, and that this can be assisted by, but is not dependent upon, a vaccine. Assisted by, and not dependent upon, a vaccine. Our goal, therefore, should be to minimize mortality and social harm until we reach herd immunity. And it goes on, and I will leave it to you to read the, the, the well, we'll finish it off here. Why not? We're already, we're already over time. Might as well add another couple of minutes. The most compassionate approach that balances the risk and benefits of reaching herd immunity is to allow those who are at minimal risk of death to live their lives normally to build up immunity to the virus through natural infection, while better protecting those who are at highest risk. We call this focused protection. Adopting measures to protect the vulnerable should be the central aim of public health responses to COVID-19. By way of example, nursing homes should use staff with acquired immunity and perform frequent PCR testing of other staff and all visitors. Staff rotation should be minimized. Retired people living at home should have groceries and other essentials delivered to their home. When possible, they should meet family members outside rather than inside. A comprehensive and detailed list of measures, including approaches to multi-generational households can be implemented and is well within the scope and capability of public health professionals. Those who are not vulnerable should immediately be allowed to resume life as normal. Simple hygiene measures, such as hand washing and staying home when sick, should be practiced by everyone to reduce the herd immunity threshold. Schools and universities, should be open for in-person teaching. Extracurricular activities such as sports should be resumed. Young, low-risk adults should work normally rather than from home. Restaurants and other businesses should open. Arts, music, sport, and other cultural activities should resume. People who are at risk may participate if they wish, while society as a whole enjoys the protection conferred upon the vulnerable by those who have built up herd immunity. So, and the article goes on, there's more information here. You can see tens of thousands of people, this is Germany right here, who are protesting the lockdowns, protesting the masks. And I really wish people would get out there more and join us when we go out to these protests. If you see me out there on the street, find out where the protests are in your community and participate. Or you can participate in a one-person protest by refusing to wear your mask inside these businesses. You're not putting anybody at risk. As we've shown you, the science backs it up. 
And perhaps through your example, you can educate others. And I've noticed more and more people now in the stores and places that I go have stopped wearing their masks as well. So with that being said, folks, I would like just to say that, that it's, it's a pleasure bringing you this information each week. And I appreciate you turning in, tu tuning into our podcast every week and listening to what I have to say. And I hope that you don't take my word as gospel, that you actually go out there and do the research yourself. And I hope that you follow the links that I give you so that you can do that research. So don't just take my word for it, okay? Get out there and, and do the research. And that way you're better educated and better informed so that when you come across people who aren't as such, you can help them understand and give them a little, best, little less fear about what we're facing. Because as I've told you, the way to overcome fear is with information and understanding. And as we provided you today with a, a multitude of informative sources, hopefully you have a better understanding of what we're facing and what your options are. So again, thank you for tuning in. And I'd like to remind you, once again, if you like what we do here at Free America Podcast, please consider supporting us. We do have expenses, believe it or not, associated with the production of this podcast. And we'd like to expand our, our operations. In fact, we just had, we brought on a new cameraman who is donating his time and equipment to help, but we'd like to be able to pay him some gas money to go to some of the events that we attend and bring you these special reports from out in the field. So please visit freeamericapodcast.com. Right here at the top, you'll see a contribute button where I'm, my mouse is circling around that. You can click on there, contribute through patreon.com, or you can scroll down past all these wonderful links for our podcast to listen to and to watch on YouTube to this link right here for PayPal. If you feel more comfortable contributing through PayPal, we'd appreciate that. Or if you want to get something for your money in exchange, use one of our affiliates and get some tips and, in, and information and programs regarding your personal finance for self-defense as well as for health and fitness. And any of these links you click on here through these red buttons will give us a, a, a commission. So they, by, by utilizing these products, they, they pay us to bring these to you. So we get a commission for you doing that. So we would appreciate you go to freeamericapodcast.com and support us if you can. It doesn't have to be a lot. It can be just a few bucks. You know, even $5 will be greatly appreciated and certainly helpful. We also, also encourage you to visit us on social media, Free America Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, as well as Free America on Twitter. And you can follow us for other news stories and things that we find interesting, as well as updates on this show. So, again, I'd like to thank you all for joining me today. It's been a, an absolute pleasure bringing you this information. And I hope you'll join us again next week as we bring in another guest and hopefully some new and updated information. I may even do a midweek pre-Christmas podcast bringing you some information about the election and the potential fraud that's been occurring. So stay tuned for that. So for now, folks, um, just spend your time with your, with your friends and your family and your loved ones this holiday season because there is nothing to fear. And for the love of God, Please don't take the vaccine. 
Good night, everybody.